0: Hello, and welcome to the IDI, a podcast by and for market access professionals. I'm your host, Ira Aptvel. Each episode, we conduct in depth interviews to help you optimize your value strategy and commercialization and help people access the healthcare they deserve. The IDI is presented by Valuate Health Consultancy. Follow Valuate on LinkedIn or visit us at Valu8Health.com to learn more. Today in the IDI, How data and data analytics are transforming pharma and market access. Pharmaceutical manufacturers are using data today in everything from accelerating drug development to improving the efficacy of clinical trials to reducing safety concerns to identifying patient populations. But as is so often the case, the sheer amount of data can be overwhelming. Too often, it's hard to figure out where to get started in the data analytics part. What do you want to know from the data? What do you want to learn? What are even the right questions to ask of the data? And is this even the right data to use? So to help me make sense of data and data analytics in pharma and market access, I brought on my colleague at Evaluate Health, Jack Timko. Jack is a principal at Evaluate, where he oversees all data analytics. His areas of expertise include developing multi-phase research and analytic methodologies position targeting and field alignment, designing co-pay support offerings, ROI for promotional programs, pull through and more. Jack Timko, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ira, thanks for having me. Sure. So let's start off with with a a real kind of 30,000 foot question. What does data analytics mean for market access now? How has it even changed over the years? You've been in this this space for a while, so I'm kind of wondering what what you've been seeing.
1: Yeah, uh, great question. So I think if I take the second part first in terms of how it's changed, it's definitely uh, grown to encompass behavioral analysis outside of just healthcare. So thinking about more of the holistic lifestyle of any stakeholder, specifically patients, kind of understanding where their disease state fits in their larger lifestyle, um, taking that holistic view and leveraging a lot of the work that had been done, um, you know, with consumer marketing over the years, getting really robust insights from linking that up to, to healthcare data. So I think that what we constitute relevant behaviors, I think, has grown grown broader in terms of what data analytics and market access means that really depends on on who we're talking about if it's a patient a provider or a payer uh market access is going to mean different things to those stakeholders and as a result it's going to have slightly different um objectives when it comes to any analysis so like for example if i take a single data set um in healthcare say pharmacy claims uh from like a clearinghouse if i'm using that to evaluate patients and what market access means to them, I'm probably going to be using that to inform a cost sensitivity analysis or look at adherence. Uh, if I'm doing it for a provider, I may be more focused on, well, what's the impact of utilization management on their willingness to prescribe? Do prior authorizations, NDC blocks, step edits, do those impact uh, prescribing behaviors? Do those have any negative consequences downstream on patients? We take it all the way up to the top at a payer level, evaluating the same things, but often in aggregate to understand, you know, ideally, what's the likelihood that they're going to make decisions that are going to impact patients' providers, negatively or positively? Uh, So those factors really, you know, dictate where we're talking about market access, where we're kind of focusing our energies.
0: I'm wondering, too, has the scope of it um changed over the years, meaning, like you said there's there's so many uh, so many um people or, or um uh groups that you can focus on now payers and patients was it all, all that way or was was it kind of more monolithic and and now it's getting really uh really kind of um granular
1: yeah, the world was more siloed i'd say um maybe even as recently as five years ago, it was still often when we were Thinking about uh, you know, supporting commercialization of a brand, everyone's thinking about their respective stakeholder. Um, and I've seen changes, you know, in our organization and in manufacturers where it's become a lot more interconnected. Um, people are recognizing the the interdependencies uh, and specifically the importance of you know evaluating payers and, and organized provider groups as part of. Any overarching analysis. Um, we may have omni channel and, and the kind of the, you know, the momentum that that has in the industry to thank in part for, for the increased demand for this interconnectedness, but it's definitely become a bigger element. And as a result, when we're thinking about a business question now, first five years ago, we're often thinking about two or more of those three key stakeholder types. What do you think driven that?
0: Uh, that change in, in uh, perception where now you're kind of thinking of two or three stakeholders and before it was kind of more uh, just uh, one stakeholder.
1: think part of its efficiencies, um, not wanting to duplicate efforts, specifically when you're thinking about any provider-focused activity, making sure you're collaborating. But um, I think, like I mentioned, I think it's omni-channel and kind of the 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 requirements it has from an you know interconnected data assets, coordinating all your your boots on the ground, those elements I think are key contributors uh also there's I think more first party data contributors, including manufacturers themselves now uh that are contributing to some of this interconnectivity, understanding you know when one domino falls, what should be the next best domino to fall at an organizational level
0: does that make it um your, your job as a data analyst, uh, does it make it um, easier or harder that there's, that there's more data being collected from more different sources now than there were five years ago?
1: Huh, I hadn't actually thought about it in turn. It, I think it, it probably would be easier in the sense that we're not as bereft of information as we were uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more options, there are still major Gaps. Obviously, our our healthcare data ecosystem is not ideal and is not interconnected, so there's always going to be gaps and limitations. And it just comes with understanding what a certain data source or data set can and can't do uh, when it comes to contributing to answering a question.
0: So for you it's it's better in the sense that at least you have some more data just 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 to work with now whereas before it seemed a little bit more uh scarce and and at least you got some information there um would, would you say that's true
1: yeah i'd say that's true um especially when it comes to some elements of connecting data like you know, anonymized patient level data is, is something we are used to working with. But when it comes to linking that up to consumer behaviors, that's not something we can do, but it's something our you know partners can help us execute and something we have, you know, at OHG with OmniHealth where now we can understand both sides of that equation uh, inside and outside of healthcare, um, because I don't know about you, but I'm not thinking about myself as a patient uh, 99% of the time. Right. Uh, i what so I think that uh, element is what I've found to be the, the most welcome contribution is other ways to uh, attain that more attitudinal data uh, than via what used to be the, the only method uh, in its primary research.
0: You, you conduct, and your team, you conduct all sorts of data analysis. I'm wondering today how much, how often you run into a, a issue of not enough uh good data to work from uh or is there your bigger challenge now there's discussion there's, there's so much data how do we even think about it and break it all down
1: oh no there's still gaps there's always gaps um and even if you have all of the best potential data sources they may all not fit together at the level of granularity that's required uh so that's still we, we say on our side that 90 percent of any uh project we do in Market Access Data Science is about uh, identifying and standardizing the right information. Um, from then, applying a methodology and analysis from our perspective is the fun part. Uh, so when it comes to finding those elements, there are still things that we always want where our only method to get them is still is still primary research. So that may be the path forward and we still leverage that it has its place. Um, and we consider any data to be data, whether it's primary or secondary.
0: How has all these changes that it, that you've seen in the past uh, several years with data in, in pharma and, and market access and data analytics, how's it changed you as a data scientist? Well,
1: oh, my, yeah. I've had to to incorporate different elements. So for me, I started out as primary research only, uh, quantitative and qualitative, but really focusing on the the primary research component, and then kind of seeing what that is, you know, what types of questions I can answer and what where it leaves a little bit to be desired, and started to grow into more leveraging secondary data to get a sense for healthcare behaviors, and that was really valuable. Why ask someone? for instance, what they're prescribing when you can use claims data, and that was early on. Uh, But then, as I mentioned, it began to say, okay, well, now we need to think about downstream implications on non-payer stakeholders, or how do we incorporate best practices from outside of healthcare? Um, So what started off as primary research and then more healthcare, uh, business analytics, commercialization analytics, then became to, I had to end up learning a lot more about, you know, marketing and engagement and optimizing non-personal promotion and thinking about Omni-Chem. Um, the one constant has been, it's always kind of been sitting in that spot between insights and commercialization slash marketing. Um, so for me, it's been welcome. Um, it's why I've been able, I think, to, to stay happy in market access for 15 years is because it hasn't been the same set of questions on the same people. Um, and as you know, market access is never dull. Uh, there's always some new question popping up.
0: And that leads me to, to the second part of, of our um, uh, discussion today, which is what you're hearing from the marketplace, what you're hearing from uh, you know, customers when, when uh, they, they come to you. So I guess the first question is, what are manufacturers and payers asking for in data and data analytics right now?
1: Hey, so that, that one from the, the research that I see uh frequently that hasn't really changed. they still want uh data to give them comparative effectiveness <laughs> um, ultimately you know to help them understand which drugs are are you know and optimize their their formularies uh manufacturers are the uh where I spend the majority of my time uh and it really depends on the roles that's largely going to shape um what they're looking for specifically out of data and data analytics. But I think it's safe to say that regardless, manufacturer, payer, whatever your role, you want it to give you a stronger understanding with increased certainty as it relates to your job responsibilities. So for instance, um, marketers, specifically um, market access marketers, uh, I've been asking increasingly, they wanna know the impact of their promotion, they wanna optimize their resource allocation and deployment, and they want to be better partners um, with their account managers who want to know more about their customers. Um, So on the market access side, there's been an increased desire to start to generate some of that CRM data that uh, has been leveraged well on the HCP side by these same organizations. If you're in finance or certain roles, you're going to want more visibility at a higher level into gross to net. Uh, and no matter which role market access and and data analytics can can contribute to providing those um, okay uh
0: and I was also wondering as well um what do you think has been driving for for them uh you know a a sense of uh wanting to m- kind of get a better measure of bang for buck for their their marketing activities is is that just kind of a a new uh trend you're seeing uh as everyone kind of minds their budgets more or is that just kind of more driven by the fact that there's just more data that they can use or you yeah can use it's not
1: them? yeah it's a great question it's not necessarily like an roi play or bang for the buck it's seems to be more coming from a place of test and learn um and become more efficient uh because ROI when dealing with a payer is not the same um, as doing an ROI analysis on HCP marketing activities or consumer marketing activities. But regardless, they just want a better understanding. They want to, data does seem to be playing a greater role uh, in decision-making across the board uh, with a really an increased demand for actionable insights. So it's not just data, data are a tool. The insights are what we're ultimately looking to derive, and they should something that you know confirms or changes our behaviors Um, and typically it's more than just the the data or the methodology it really does take folks who understand the subject of our analysis whatever type of entity or audience we're dealing with working with data scientists to make something truly actionable um, and really fill in the gaps that, that the data can address
0: do you find that with um, clients, sometimes they, they almost come to you and your team and say, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Because they're just discovering like all the functionality you have and, and all the, the kind of the brain capability that you and your team have that they, they become like kids in a candy store.
1: Oh, yeah, you nailed it. Uh, our favorite request is one that we haven't heard before. Um, where we get to you know, really leverage the curiosity that's inherent, I think, and necessary in this line of work. Really make anyone's question your specific question. Uh, and you get really geeked up when you find an answer. It's not always necessarily what you're looking to find, but it's always kind of a, I don't know, I kind of like it to like finding a gem in a mine. Like that's how I feel. And a lot of the folks on this team feel when when we find something interesting, um, now folks don't always listen or necessarily find it as interesting, but uh, that feeling for me can't be beat when it comes to you know making the data talk if people will.
0: yeah, I imagine particularly if it's kind of a unique question that you you and your team haven't received before, a uh, like unique ask, I guess half the fun is figuring out how do we even. Analyze the data. What are we even looking
1: for? And oh, even we, before that, what, yeah. what's, where do we go? Like, what's mm-hmm. we've never seen this question. Maybe we're not familiar with a secondary data source. So we have to go and, you know, we meet with some vendors and partners and we say, oh, you know, this might be. So you get sometimes evaluate, you know, new lands, if you will. Um, you also get to start thinking about, okay, what's the right methodology to address this question? Will the data line up and support? and fuel that methodology. Uh, it's putting that plan together, uh, which is for me, one of the, the the most high energy moments.
0: Are there ever times when you get these kind of unique requests and you and your team get really excited because you're trying to figure out like, how do we even go about you know, answering this question? And then you, you, you do it all, you, you plug and chug, you, you find an interesting, or to you anyway, an interesting um, finding And then, you know, your client says, eh, thanks for that. Did did that ever happen to you?
1: Oh, every once in a while, sometimes we're we're confirming something they already know, but (laughs) while we don't necessarily, you know, it's not a full-fledged insight for us, it's helping confirm or substantiate if we find anything else different in that data set. And we had an initial insight that did confirm or align with expectations, then our new element that we found may have some potential value. So while insight A may have been confirmatory, insight B could be something new and unique, and those always feel really fun to deliver.
0: I should also ask right now at this point, um, how much of an obstacle is it uh, for you to do your job and your team to, to do its job in terms of uh, you know, privacy measures for, for patient uh, data? Is, is that a big challenge for you?
1: For us, um, it's not, given that we focus primarily in market access uh, and, as a result, are rarely taken down to any true patient-level analysis. Uh, At most, it would be fully anonymized patient-level claims data that we would be assessing, and that would be solely for the purposes of understanding patient segmentation as it pertains to payers um, or things like switch behavior across payers, some elements that require us to aggregate anonymized patient-level data, uh, but those are absent any identifiable information. Uh, So the privacy doesn't affect us too much on the healthcare data side, um, nor really uh, Really across the board outside of our primary research work where we do have privacy of our, our research panelists and participants for secondary data because we're largely evaluating how an organization behaves as an entity, uh, it doesn't largely pertain to, to what we're evaluating or the data sets we work with.
0: You've talked in the past about taking a backwards design approach to your work, meaning starting at the end and asking what you want to really know because you been working with clients. Why do you take that approach?
1: That's ultimately what we say. Any data is there just as a tool to address questions and business challenges. Um, So if you ask us for a piece of information, you'll get just that. What's this number? X percent. If you ask us a question, though, we're going to give you an answer or present us with a problem. We're going to give you a solution. Uh, We use that approach because ultimately we believe we're in the question and answer business um, on on our team. We're thinking about how, what do you want to know? And we don't, effectively start with any assumptions if we're getting to that point uh, what are we trying to answer what are we trying to solve for what's our hypothesis that we want to test and then from there let's find the right data sources let's apply the right methods let's conduct a rigorous analysis and thorough testing and then let's interpret the findings um with a, with a larger team do you find that with
0: with clients i guess particularly with new ones you've never really worked with before um, Part of the challenge is saying, like, what do you really want to know? Um, because a client might say, well, I just asked what I want to know. And, and you might have that kind of friction where y- y- you're trying to really kind of, kind of uh, you know, dive deep into uh, getting a more, uh, and, I don't know, useful answer.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a challenge. I think it's just it's par for the course, Um, regardless of, you know, the level of experience. A lot of times it's folks that have been doing this a really long time have a really good understanding. Um, We just want to make sure we're operating from the same place because we think of it as you're handing your question over to us and we're going to be the stewards of that question until we come back with an answer. So we want to make sure we understand it fully top to bottom, so as we're conducting an analysis, we can explore and add value throughout. If we're just delivering a piece of information, it's essentially a request for data, uh, which really isn't a data analysis so much as sharing information. And for some folks, that's enough. Uh, But even for the most seasoned folks on the data team, one piece of information is rarely enough. And we would argue that it takes multiple pieces of information to construct a true insight. Um, so, but ultimately it's in the benefit of whoever's asking us the question that we understand it, it's an alignment around the objectives um, is really how we see it. And then making sure that we're, we like I said, we have that ability to kind of riff as we're going through it and see, oh, this could add value. We could pull in this data element that could really help address this. In terms of peeling it out from a going, a step back from a request to a question. It's actually not that difficult. It usually just requires like a 15 minute conversation to just understand a little bit of the background. There's also an element of certain requests, you know exactly um, the rationale behind it, uh, just based on experience.
0: How concerned are you that the backwards design approach that you take could unwittingly steer you to use data that answers a question the way the client wants it answered and not the way that you know it should truly be revealed
1: interesting so data i would say don't answer questions um methodologies and analyses wielded by people or sometimes ai uh are what actually kind of answer the question what you're describing poof that would be bad, uh, is an example of finding the answer somebody wants, which is not something we uh, are keen to do or ever do. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I get that.
0: I'm just saying that. But just- the
1: uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. So we answered the question in this place before. Sometimes we got to say stuffed. That's not favorable. But sourcing the data is really all about understanding what each source or asset provides. And we're looking for the best balance of understanding and certainty which is that underlying thing we're, we're seeking, but we have to consider things like timelines and budgets. And there are certain data sources that are best in class, but are overkill for a lot of business questions. Um, because even when it comes to sourcing data, uh, perfect can often be the enemy of good when we're looking to make quick decisions and manage you know, our clients' budgets uh, responsibly. So typically, the the one place I would say unwittingly, no, but you can wittingly, very easily, wittingly do this is using primary research when secondary data are the more accurate and, you know, the better certainty. Um, or trying to, you know, fill in data gaps, um, you know, using what we would call a Frankenstein model. Sometimes those things are the best option available. Um, What we would never want to do is, is, you know, you you prove a hypothesis on purpose. It's always you want to test the hypothesis um, and sourcing the data and understanding that is always one of the first things we cover when delivering insights is here's what went into this and the next thing that follows it is limitations. Always. Here's what this really can't do or what it's not geared up to do. For instance, anytime we're in a rare disease, the data are obviously going to be way thinner that's not gonna give you the same level of confidence in anything you quantify as you do in a market that is really flush with, you know, millions and millions of patients.
0: What is next for you, or what do you think is next in data analytics? What's your, wouldn't that be great if we could do this kind of scenario?
1: feel like we're always answering everybody else's question. So the next thing that's great is like the next thing that somebody hasn't asked me yet. But with that aside, I think we're going to start to see even more utilization, um, sophisticated utilization of machine learning and AI on a variety of fronts in, in market access specifically. Um, I think areas like value-based care and omni-channel, uh, omnichannel are obviously major drivers of the interest there. Um, But for me, I like it because I'm a fan of efficiency Um, and I like to take a hard concept and execute it elegantly so that people can sleep at night and go (laughs) to their families. Um, So kind of striking that nice balance, Uh, efficiency and cool insights are really what gets this group out of bed in the morning. And I think we're going to continue to see more and more opportunities to apply that to a variety of different uh, structured and unstructured data sets. And that last part about the unstructured data sets is that's where we're going to continue, I think, to see more and more strides is more and more things that were just disparate pieces of information are going to start being turned into data sets or sophisticated business logic because someone has to train an AI. Um, and that still requires human beings that that have an understanding of what that AI needs to be answering um, through its processes. Last question for you.
0: What is your advice for manufacturers who want to use data and data analytics for market access? What should they do and what should they avoid?
1: Should do is definitely consider it right up front when you're building your your data ecosystem, um, especially for manufacturers that um, are newer to, to the market. Uh, there's a lot of times we'll see, you know, where we have to fit into HCP conventions that may not necessarily directly work or um, regulations that have been set that really don't uh, necessarily fit when we are talking about market access stakeholders. Um, I would say payers and health systems um, and a lot of manufacturers are already well ahead of the curve on this, but they shouldn't be an afterthought. Um, at any point in the process, uh, commercialization timeline, thinking you know, phase two, phase three, be thinking about you know, understanding the payer stakeholder. Um, that's increased uh, over the past few years. You know, given the what we were talking about earlier, and everything's a little bit more integrated now. Um, but it's that main element is, you know. Building a market access data lens requires market access knowledge um, and not just market access data science, but folks who understand the nuances and how to structure the data in a way that reflects the real world and not just the way that the data are, are delivered.
0: Beck Tim thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Oh, all right, dude. Thanks so much.
0: That's it for this episode of the IDI. Thanks again to my guest, Jack Timko. Be sure to follow him on LinkedIn and be sure to follow the IDI on Apple and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Evaluate on LinkedIn or visit us on the web at valuatehealth.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.